I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central Podcast. I'm joined now by Fikile Sibir, Chief Information Officer at E4. Fikile, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for making the time to talk to Tech Central today. Thanks, Duncan. I'm really excited to be having this talk. Fantastic. So this is actually the third in a series of really interesting podcasts that we are recording with E4. If you missed the first two in the series, I can highly recommend going back and uh, having a listen to those. Uh, you can just search E4 on Tech Central and uh, those will come up as we're with Andrea Tucker and Carla Diabrio. I'm sorry to wonder if there are any men working for E4, uh, Figile. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, if I remember correctly, July, August, or actually the year is dedicated, a year is dedicated to women. Uh, men just don't have space. We do have men at E4. Um, they're just not in the spotlight like the women are. <laughs> haven't met them yet. Okay. okay. <laughs> just have to, haven't met them yet. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, welcome to the podcast. We, um, we, we were chatting ahead of our conversation today about uh, the impact of the pandemic and the lockdown measures on IT leadership in South Africa. Now, you're a chief information officer. I know you've, you have your, your uh, background is in the banking industry, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That's correct. Where, where you've held senior IT leadership roles. Uh, you joined E4, I think, just as the lockdown was starting back in March of 2020. Uh, was it a bit of a baptism by fire uh, for you? What, what Take me through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very interesting, Duncan. My very first assignment at E4 uh, was to enable a remote workforce. So I joined the organization and a week later um, on a Sunday, I got a message to say I need to be at the office at eight o'clock in the morning because there's, a, there's an urgent meeting. And the meeting was saying from today, we're going to be sending the stuff um, to work from home and you need to make it happen. Um, <laughs> I didn't know much about the organization yet at that point. Um, and I, I mean, I didn't have a lot of a lot of context um, at that point as yet. And um, yeah, I, I needed to make it happen. Uh, and I mean, it's 18 months later, who would have thought? Uh, and we've been working remotely um, since that day. So how so, ready how ready was E4 for this trans transition? I imagine for for many CIOs and many organisations, it was a bit of a shock to the system, um, particularly for organisations that hadn't set up, um, you know, remote video conferencing tools like like Zoom, like Teams, etc. Uh, and and suddenly they were forced into the situation where um, their entire workforce were working remotely. How, how prepared was E4 for this? And um, and and well, how did you go about it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, um, Duncan, a lot of organizations and a lot of um, IT leaders were caught off guard, really, because, I mean, it's not like we're given the time to prepare. Uh, it's a pandemic and, um, you know, we were in, in crisis mode, you know, almost immediately. Um, at E4, we were quite fortunate because the transition was quite seamless um, in that we already had the tools to enable a remote workforce. So literally people packed up on the day we had to um, start working remotely. Um, and the very next day, people were already connecting on Microsoft, Microsoft Teams for meetings and taking calls on Skype for Business. I mean, mm -hmm. our entire call center um, left the op offices. We just had to give them the hardware to enable them um, with, with their remote working. But in terms of the technology and our digital transformation, we were quite ahead at that point. And I mean, it, it was very uh, fortunate for us um, in terms of the transition. And certainly for me as a new leader, you know, it was quite empowering to realize that the work was uh, not as cut out for me as I thought it was. Indeed, and I'm sure you had other priorities as you were joining the organization and you had to pivot suddenly to focus, focus Absolutely. on this. Absolutely. <laughs> 
But uh, it, <laughs> must, it must have been quite a stressful time. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting specifically for E4, but for, for IT leaders across the board, because, you know, the, I, I think IT leaders are, 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 you know, are naturally fairly cautious people. You don't want to rush into making decisions and and uh, transforming your business because of the risk involved in, in, in rushing through uh, changes in IT management systems. Um, so yeah. suddenly I think a lot of organizations, a lot of CIOs and other IT leadership, people in IT leadership roles are suddenly forced to move exceptionally quickly. Um, and I'm sure this put them under a lot of stress as well. Uh, how, how have you found it in talking to your clients, your CIO clients in the industry, um, how, yeah. how have they managed to cope through all of this? So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was chaotic, uh, Duncan. And talking to some of the colleagues in, in, in the industry, um, I mean, some organizations had to even purchase laptops. I don't know if you noticed, but there was quite a big shortage of laptops for quite, a, quite some yeah. time uh, around that point because obviously logistics were impacted um, and there was a lot of demand for hardware. Um, and also, I mean, a lot of organizations, as you say, organizations, as you said, were steadily moving towards the digital transformation. Mm. And overnight, um, those journeys had to be, um, you know, expedited and, and moved quite, quite quickly. Um, and I mean, it was very, very stressful. And I mean, how do you, the change management around it as well for a, a workforce that was used to working a certain way. Um, and now you having them adapt to working from home, adapt to new technologies, adapt to new ways of working, adapt to new ways of collaborating. So it was very, very stressful. And a lot of, I think, um, the, the pressure was certainly on IT leaders, you know, um, um, companies were looking um, at IT leaders to make it happen. You know, mm. you guys talk technology, you need to make it happen. We need the continuity um, and budgets. I mean, the prior year um, leaders, IT leaders had set up budgets a certain way, you know, to achieve certain objectives. And suddenly um, just the, the twisting and, and the shifting of those budgets uh, and, and in certain occasions asking for, for more budget uh, just to enable uh, the new construct. So very, very stressful for a lot of leaders. But I think it was a big lesson um, yeah. as well in, in the industry, Duncan, to say we cannot, uh, you know, pay lip service to digital transformation. It, it is, it is a, a, a necessity in this day and age. And I think the pandemic has just really highlighted that point. And I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that any boardroom you go into, uh, digital transformation is not the last point on the agenda. It's probably top of mind. Mm -hmm. Um, given what we've just gone through. So yeah, it, it was really stressful, but very big lessons um, to be taken from that. Looking at from the from the people perspective, um, this must have been a very stressful exercise. I know we're 18 months into this pandemic now, but I imagine that CIOs and their IT teams were put under enormous pressure through this period. Um, do you, has there been a lot of burnout? Have, have people been struggling personally through these times in terms of work overload and and from an E4 perspective, how do you manage that sort of thing? No, certainly, um, Duncan. I mean, the the you know, just thinking about my own personal life, uh, having to carve out the 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 distinction between personal life and a work life uh, was was very hard, and and a lot of you know the burnout came from just the adjustment um, and making the distinction between the two worlds um, that suddenly overnight, literally had to merge into one. Um, you know, children at home don't really understand that you're at work. They see mm. mommy is home and, and mommy is meant to be home. <laughs> so <laughs> so a, a lot of it really came from, from, you know, all of us psychologically ad adapting to this new way. 
Um, but I mean, at E4, like I said earlier, you know, the the the, the fortunate part for us is, is that most people are already used to working from home. I mean, we work with uh, dev teams that sort of manage their time and manage the the um, you know the, their their workloads. Um, so to say, they're used to that kind of a, of a life. But for some some of our, um, our staff members that are not so much you know in the technical spaces, um, they, they they did struggle. Um, and I mean, you know, projects had to continue in the midst of the, uh, you know, um, um, adoption of the new ways, as well as, you know, mm. the, the navigating the changes and the uncertainty, um, you know, the, the anxiety and all of it. It was just a mixed bag of so, so many disciplines and so many things, um, you know, and yeah, we, we did have um, staff members that did take a knock in terms of, of having burnouts and, and not coping. Uh, some of our young guys stay alone in, at home mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, suddenly you isolated from the world. Um, and that does cause a lot, quite a, a lot of stress. Um, but fortunately, I mean, we've got quite a very supportive um, HR team. Um, and they were always on the lookout for, for such cases and providing that uh, su support uh, in terms of mental health um, and mental wellness to ensure that our staff members can navigate uh, that tough territory. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we, we relied a lot on our, on our, um, our, our wellness partners as well as our, our, our HR teams um, and partnered with them to say, guys, the, the changes that are coming just from a technology perspective, it's quite immense. And, you know, we're going to need the support to ensure that our staff remain, you know, um, empowered and, and supported during the time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So it was certainly stressful for a lot of staff members. Yeah, and and a lot of companies, a lot of IT leadership um, must have uh, felt that they were working at Facebook, whose motto I think has always been uh, "work fast and break things" or something along those lines. <laughs> um, and, and I imagine a lot of IT processes and systems were broken. Um, of course, <laughs> as as people had to to just just improvise and 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 get things done in the inst in the moment as, as in this, the moment as this crisis broke. Now I imagine. CIOs are now looking back at the last 18 months and starting to look at some of the things that got broken along the way, uh, <laughs> things that can be done better, et cetera, et cetera. But um, Figile, what are some of the positives you think that came out of this whole experience? So I think um, for me, it's, it's really been, you know, we can do it. Um, just the, the human spirit and the re human resilience around it. And I mean, we at E4, um, some of our major, major projects happened remotely. Mm -hmm. we, 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 we did, um, you know, very big projects. I think one of our biggest uh, projects um, to date, we, we did it remotely. And I think, you, you know, it was just an awakening to say, actually, you know, we can, you know, um, we, we, we can change, we can adapt. Uh, to new ways, we can adapt to to new technologies, and there's there's nothing to be scared of, you know, with this digital transformation. Uh, sometimes uh, we hold on to legacy and we hold on to what we know, mm. um, and I think the positive is just really it is possible, and we can, mm. you know. Uh, <laughs> sounds cliche, but really, um, the, just the the world of possibility uh, when you when you put technology to the test. Um, and you partner technology with human beings because that's exactly what we did. Yeah. Um, and just the endless possibilities 
in in that. And there must have been uh, some specific challenges. And all, all companies have obviously been through these challenges. And, and one of them that's very specific to South Africa is load shedding. Uh, during these lockdowns, we also had load shedding. How, how do you cope with that? I mean, how did you, how did E4 deal with um, these additional demands we have as South Africans, such as load shedding, such as, I suppose it's a, glo- a global thing, but um, also just managing people's ability to connect? Yeah, so, you know, initially when we went on lockdown, I don't know if you remember, but um, ESCOM was very kind to to, to South Africans, you know, and, and the workforce yes. of South Africa. We didn't have load shedding uh, for quite quite some months. Mm. Um, but we always knew at the back of our heads as leaders that at some point it's going to come. And uh, what we did at E4 is we we're quite, um, you know, deliberate and proactive in how we're going to manage that scenario. And really, um, the work we do, Duncan, mostly it's, um, you know, we've got a workforce that can work, you know, at, at any time of, of, of the day. Yeah. And we prioritized um, our client-facing teams that, that had to be online 24-7. Um, and we kitted them up with uh, backup backup power. So UPSs, I mean, they, they, they were quite a bit on the market. Um, at quite affordable, you know, you know, prices, and we 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 just gave them sort of that um, uh, space, uh, that continuity, mm-hmm. um, you know, for their homes. Where you know, when you've got load shedding, they could plug, you know, plug in and, and continue working. The challenge came with the connectivity, um, because sometimes, you know, when there's load shedding, uh, I don't know if you notice on your side, but you at some point lose your your connectivity just from mm-hmm. a, 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 a a network perspective. And that's been the challenge we've had, and it's a it's a challenge we continue to have, and I think it's 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 felt across um, across the country. But I mean, we 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 really just do try and manage it within within the, the confines that we have as best mm. as we can, um, and we we really haven't seen a, a, a huge um, a huge impact. And some of our clients have been sympathetic because when we go through it, you know, we chances are the whole country is going through it at that point in time. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's just really trying to build that layer of continuity as best as we can and that layer of resiliency in our processes um, and in our systems, um, you know, when we do get load shedding. Now, I'm I'm sure it's not the easiest thing in the world to measure productivity, Um, but I've spoken to a lot of companies over the last 18 months and they've given different views on the impact that these work from home measures have had on employee productivity. Some have said that it's been terrible for productivity and we can't wait for people to get back into the office. I know the CEO of Netflix, for example, has, has said, we, you know, this, this isn't sustainable. All of our employees have to go to work. Google as well is also putting a lot of pressure on its on its employees to to return to the office. Mm. In fact, I think they said that uh, that we can't guarantee that you're going to be remunerated at the same level if you continue to work from home, <laughs> uh, which is a very interesting approach. Um, in, ter- in terms of productivity, what is what have you found as a company as e- as E4? Have have has your did your productivity go up? Was it about the same, or did it go down? <laughs> Uh, I think, <laughs> um, without being biased, I think it 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 went up. To be quite frank, yeah. Um, it's very interesting, Duncan. You mentioned some of the 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 big tech giants. You know, we that we would have you know generally thought, yeah. I mean, Netflix has got this. You know, they figured this out. Google. I was I was actually quite surprised. Um, you know, when Google came out and said we want our stuff back at the offices. Um, by September, you know, um, and uh, I, I was just looking at a study the other day, um, and it, it's quite interesting how very, you know, the varying opinions around 
um, the the whole, do we continue working from home or do we send stuff back to offices? And mm. I mean, Microsoft, for example, uh, went with a hybrid model. Yes. Um, whereas uh, I looked some of the big um, international banks uh, wanted a full, you know, return to, to the office um, um, op- option. And it, it it was just very interesting to say, you know, what what exactly informs um, those those kinds of decisions. I mean, Google uh, said we've got great facilities where our staff can collaborate, you know, over a table tennis game um, or, or a cup of coffee. You know, I, I guess you know there's a lot of investment that went into those facilities, etc. And you want your staff to 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 use them. Um, in our case, I mean, we have had some staff members who came and said, look, I'm not really coping at home and I would like the flexibility to be back at the office. And the model we've, we, we've sort of uh, gone with is a hybrid model mm-hmm. where uh, we want the offices to be available for, for staff to come in. And, you know, if you, you if you at your best and thrive in, in a structured office environment, it's got to be available. But we've also we also have uh, staff members who have said, no, I'm very happy working from home. I'm at my best. I'm at my most, um, you know, creative and productive, and and we need to enable that, you know, as as IT leaders. So for me, it's it's I, we haven't seen a drop in productivity. Certainly, um, certainly not. I mean, like I said earlier, we've delivered some of our biggest projects uh, working working remotely. So we just make the accommodation for the staff members who thrive in an office environment, and make an accommodation for staff who thrive in a in a in a sort of a remote. Um, environment i think the 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 whole aim is we need to facilitate um the best you know of 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 both worlds so find the employees at their most creative and and it's not a a, 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 you know one shoe fits all type um Mm. type scenario um and we just have to make both happen yeah Yeah. i i I imagine that um lockdown was music to the ears of introverts and (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> of course. <laughs> absolutely hated by extroverts who just can't wait to get back into the office. Uh, no, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. But funny enough, I mean, uh, most of our workforce have opted um, to work remotely. So it's quite interesting. Well, Say in something IT, about uh, IT people. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bankers exactly. can do it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, but what, what, one question that, that 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 really interests me about this whole work from home model, and it's been going on this this grand global experiment, if I can call it, that's been going on for eighteen months now, and that's what impact it has on uh, company culture. Now, um, culture, I, I think, is a, is a, is 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 quite a complicated or complex thing that develops over time. And if your employees are mostly working remotely and using Microsoft Teams or Zoom to uh, to, to communicate and, and do their work, do you retain and develop a, a unique culture in that way? Can you use technology to uh, to ensure that you have a unique culture, or does at the end of the day does it end up uh, becoming all homogenous? You end up uh, destroying what was um, a unique identity as an organization. In- interesting. Um, <laughs> talking about culture, and the question is. You know, for, you know, the last eighteen months. What what really is culture? You know, um, so what I've seen, or what we've seen at E4, is different teams develop different cultures. Um, there is, there is. I mean, obviously, our values bring us together, and they center us as an organization. But we found that um, different teams just organically created their own cultures. Um, so we we we've got. Um, team members who, uh, you know, they'll collaborate on teams and they've got Friday drinks 
together on teams and you you come <laughs> on at a certain time on a friday afternoon you bring your drink um and you know you 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 have your thing as a as a as a team and we've got other teams who um they they work while sitting on a teams call and mm-hmm. that's their office for the day and yeah. and and that's what they do um uh, so different teams have come up with different strategies um you know to 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 create their own culture um and and what works for them uh to 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 work together while they're not sitting in 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 one environment so um i, I yeah i think we've we've just seen different differences in in different mm-hmm. cultures and we've allowed it you know to evolve in as a leadership we've allowed it to to be what it is um i mean i've seen teams that have got uh, uh pizza once a month together yeah. um and they'll they'll order uber eats or you know vouchers and uh, everyone gets their pizza delivered at their door uh mm-hmm. and then they come on board and they're having their pizza and just talking about this and the other so i think um a company that has got strong values and a strong ethos uh will remain grounded in 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 those values uh and they'll they'll be centered around those values but in terms of the the culture from a you know the loose culture as as i call it mm-hmm. i think you you just watch it evolve you know different people come up with with creative ways um to 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 collaborate and build you know culture and 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 the meaningful working environment for themselves yeah. and we've seen that happen guys creating what 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 is meaningful for them and what works for for the specific culture and we just organic you know let it grow organically um and there's magic in that allowing yes. people to be creative around their cultures <laughs> Yeah it's it's really interesting how technology is actually allowed because imagine if this pandemic had hit 10 years ago when we were all sitting on ADSL connections or 3G um it would have been a very different world i think it actually would have been possible and and it may you know if this had happened 10 years hence um it could have been very different once again because in 10 once years, again 10 years from now augmented reality and virtual reality will probably be quite commonplace and it will it'll be like your colleagues are in the room with you using augmented reality solutions absolutely 2 years from now maybe even 18 months from now yes. i think we'll see we'll start seeing a, a huge acceleration in in some of this those technologies uh seeing what happened you know mm. interesting now i know something you're passionate about is change management um now that that must be something quite difficult to do in a in a work from home environment where no one is or very few people are actually in the office how do you how do you how do you manage change management i think i'm using the word managed many times here <laughs> uh, when people are working remotely sure very difficult how do you manage change it's difficult when people are together um but even harder when 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 teams are working <clears throat> you know remotely um because also the the magnitude of change um Duncan has I mean it's it's it was quite phenomenal what we what we've gone through over the last 18 months. Um so I think f- for us it it was just around keeping the communications alive um and ensuring that people still understand that they belong to a whole. So you're sitting at home alone, you interact with your team um you know on a regular but there's a bigger organization um outside of that so what we've managed to 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 do quite well as a leadership team has been keeping the communication channels open mm-hmm. so we we get our stuff together i mean initially uh we had a a a, a full on staff meeting almost every second week of the month um just to let guys know what's going on uh what to expect mm-hmm. um you know there the, there's no need to be anxious etc cetera, etc cetera. um and now we've got one big team meeting uh once a month um which has really been helpful 
you know, because you, 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 you introduce change uh, to the organization, you communicate it, um, and then you follow up in the, in the smaller teams, um, you know, afterwards. But, but I think communication has really been key for us during this time. And just ensuring that you're taking the team into your confidence um, as a leadership team, you know, to say we're in this together, we, 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 we've got this, we don't have it all figured out, but we'll figure it together and we're on this journey together. And that has really, really been helpful because now you, you allow the, the organization to focus on what's important uh, because you take away the noise and the anxiety uh, mm. from the system. So I think that for us has really, really um, been, been helpful. Communicate, yeah. communicate, communicate. Yeah, I imagine that's key to the whole thing because if there isn't adequate communication, then doubts, people's doubts start to rise, anxieties. No, absolutely, to rise. Yeah. absolutely. I mean, guys, I mean, you're hearing of your your family members, your friends losing their jobs every mm-hmm. single day, and you you start thinking, goodness, is it going to come to me? And and it's for us as leaders to say, no, hang on, uh, we're on this train and we're on it together. Yeah. Um, and and it's you know for the greater good, we just all need to hold hands and you know just go through it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think communication can never be underrated when you're trying to manage change from such a um, an environment. Now, top of mind for any chief information officer or chief information security officer, which is a, a fairly new role, but a growing, expanding role within organizations, uh, is obviously security. Um, uh, and yeah. a lot of companies have had to do, as we mentioned, had to move fast and break things. Uh, and uh, security uh, may have played second fiddle, at least in the early stages of the pandemic. Um, what are your views on, on, on this and how, how has industry coped with the security response or the security requirements around work from home? Sure. Yeah. So I think for for almost every you know IT leader that has been um, quite a challenge because what the pandemic did is it forced you know this rapid transition um, to remote working and and that what meant is, is that there was suddenly a huge demand. Um, in terms of the reliance on digital infrastructure and services. Um, now, what, when that happens, you what essentially happens is that the, the attack surface just increases. You know, so there's just that many more avenues uh, for, for potential cyber attacks. Um, and I think also we, we need to acknowledge, Duncan, that, you know, cyber criminals are not sleeping. Um, they 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 really active twenty four seven, and I think one of the things that happened uh, with with the whole remote working and the pandemic is, you know, there was a lot of anxiety in people, uh, a lot of um, uncertainty, and a lot of and a lot and a lot of fear, and I think um, cyber criminals took advantage of that. Opportunistic cyber criminals took advantage of that uh, and preying on people. And what we've seen um, was a rise in phishing attacks. Uh, and social engineering, you mm. know, um, guys coming on board, sending, you know, emails, uh, you know, with, with, you know, funny attachments, but um, playing on, on, the, on the psychological impact um, that the crisis and the pandemic had on, 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 on people. Um, and I think the, the, the angle, you know, we've, we've, we took as an organization was that uh, people need to be um, gatekeepers, you know, for 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 security and and to keep us um, safe from from a lot of the the, the cyber um, you know activity uh, cyber uh, criminal cyber activities, and um, education 
you know, um, educating the workforce as a mitigating um, measure has been really, really helpful Mm -hmm. because, you know, creating the awareness um, to say, listen, this is an opportunity for, you know, for cyber criminals um, to to take advantage of the situation. Be careful, you know, of the emails that you get and just raising that awareness, uh, building the education um, around around such activities has been really, really helpful. And I think... um, just alerting each and every single person to say we are all responsible. It's not a job of IT. It's a job of anyone that owns a tech, you know, a machine and interacts with technology on a day-to-day basis. And just really raising that awareness and, and saying, if you see something and you're not sure of, instead of opening it, uh, send it forth to someone that can help you with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we, we, we really also, um, similar to, I think, a lot of uh, um, IT leaders, we, we had to go through, you know, through that to make sure that yeah. um, our workforce is quite aware and sensitized um, to such activities. And, and of course, data privacy has become a big focus as well during this period. And, and the Protection of Personal Information Act, or PAPIA, uh, came into full force uh, recently, just a few weeks ago, I think. Um, and there's GDPR, which many South African companies have to be aware of as well, because they sell into European organizations or they deal with, with European uh, consumers. Um, has, this, has this complicated things for CIOs? Has it made life much more, much more complicated while they're <laughs> trying to deal with a crisis? They've also got this privacy legislation to deal with. Of course, yeah. And, and the two things sort of coincided, hey, mm. because, I mean, um, it, it, uh, when the, the, the pandemic um, happened, we were just, I think, about 12 months, um, you know, on a 12-month runway to, um, to Papaya going live. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it did, it, it was challenging, but I think it presented um, an opportunity as well, because now you need to educate a workforce um, around security and security awareness um, and, 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 cyber, and cyber attacks. Um, and I think that we use that certainly as an opportunity to, because I mean, the, the, the two things are quite intertwined, you know, uh, we use that as a, an, an opportunity to also educate on data privacy and the importance of, um, of, of security, data privacy, um, and, and, and just respecting uh, people's data. Mm-hmm. Um, and and w- w- what we've done is we've we sort of co-joined um, the, 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 the awareness pieces, you know, we talk about security, data security, uh, data privacy, um, you know, also leading up to 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 the papaya um, uh, uh, compliance uh, go live, um, and just you know had one big um, sort of awareness um, and 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 increasing the awareness of, of the stuff in 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 security as well as data privacy. Mm-hmm. But I think um, so when when the pandemic happened, we were already on a journey. Um, for for data privacy for for the Papaya um, Act uh, implementation, um, and we had to carry on with that remotely as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I mean, it just presented a great opportunity uh, for 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 the awareness and the training uh, part uh, for our staff members, because obviously, you know, um, it it became incre- even more important to make sure that people understand how to handle. Um, customer data as well as employee data while they are working remotely. You know, sometimes um, 
guys think the controls that are at the office don't extend to to their homes and they leave their machine you know open in you know in in a way in a home environment uh which is risky so educating them that just because we're not at the office um doesn't abdicate us of the responsibility to look after um data from a security and a privacy perspective so yeah i think it presented a good opportunity yeah uh, from that sense. It, it does sound to me, though, that um, if you work in IT, you're pretty much ready for a holiday right about now. <laughs> <laughs> We've been ready for a holiday for the last 18 months. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this December. Hopefully. <laughs> Great. Well, Figila, let's change tack a little bit. Um, I know that uh, fintech is, a, is an area that you're particularly passionate about. And we've seen a lot of uh, interesting developments and growth in the fintech sector here in South Africa over the last 18 months. A lot of it, I imagine, um, you're going to tell me, uh, was driven uh, by the pandemic um, and people looking for alternative solutions. Um, in fact, we've seen, we've seen some incredible fundraising rounds happening just in the last uh, couple of months. In the last few weeks, there have been a few uh, announcements of fintech startups securing um, millions and millions in funding. So there's quite a lot of excitement, exciting stuff happening in that space in South Africa. Um, did you, in your view, is the fintech, the whole concept of fintech accelerated uh, by the pandemic and where is this taking us? Yeah, certainly, Duncan. Yeah, I mean, I mean that is, is, is one of um, my passions. But I, I think the, the, for me, the, just the acknowledgement um, around the importance of fintechs when the pandemic happened was just, it, it, it was amazing. It was just fascinating uh, because suddenly what we saw was, you know, fintechs were, were at the at the forefront, um, you know, with some of, of the big companies in terms of partnering to ensure that there's continuity in the economy. Um, and I mean, if you look at what we do at E4, we were able to provide continuity to our clients. I mean, they could literally pack up and, and go home and they could continue doing what they do because we provide um, web-based uh, solutions at, at, at E4. So as a fintech, you know, it was just so liberating to see that we can enable our customers to continue even in a crisis situation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of fintechs really played a big, a big role um, in, in that sense. Um, and if, I mean, in, in the South African context, there's a lot of, um, of, of an unbanked population uh, and a lot of uh, we, the economy, a, a lot of uh, informal players in the, in the economy. Um, and I think there's very big opportunities for fintechs um, to to stand in that gap, you mm. know, and and partner with with big banks and and big uh, financial services providers to stand in that gap. I mean, if you think about it, when the lockdown happened, um, what did it mean for 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 spaza shops uh, that couldn't move freely to get their goods uh, and replenish their stock? Um, and and some of them needed financial relief, but because they in the sort of informal sector, uh, you find that they don't have bank statements um, and stuff like that to access uh, the relief provided by government or access funds um, from from the banks. So I think there's a there's a very big opportunity for fintechs, and I'd I'd really it would be great to see you know a lot of activity in that space. Just looking at you know um, the 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 unbanked or the underbanked sector in the country and how we come in then as fintechs. Uh, to 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 plug some of those some of those gaps, but um, certainly I think the pandemic has really um, just heightened the awareness around the the the, the critical role that mm -hmm. fintechs can play, um, and and how then fintechs partner with some of the the the, the big providers um, to close that gap uh, and to provide that um, 
sort of assurance or security for some of the of 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 of, of the lower segment or or the underbanked yeah. um, players in the economy. Yeah, I, ma- I imagine the opportunity is actually pretty massive if you think about it. Um, South Africa may be in a unique position here in that we have a fairly well-developed financial sector, formal financial sector in South Africa, but we've also got a large unbanked population that's hungry for fintech solutions. Um, smartphone penetration is is is, is enormous now, and yeah. uh, and so there's, there, there is a huge opportunity here to develop solutions that could then be exported to the rest of the continent to, to other markets around the world which are also underbanked. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's such a huge opportunity. And I mean, you know, there's just different, there's just varying things in in, in that bank at uh, Duncan. I mean, I only mentioned Spaza shops, um, but I think the entire ecosystem, because I mean, if, 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 if a Spaza shop uh, needs to replenish their stock, um, you know, there's a transaction there with uh, with with some of the the, the warehouses and and suppliers from that perspective, um, all the way down to how the consumer accesses those goods uh, from from that sense. So I think there's there's a lot of opportunities. Um, what the pandemic also brought to the play was the idea around contactless. Uh, transact, transacting, yeah. you know, where I don't want to see you, you don't want to see me, I don't want to touch you, you don't want to touch me, but we want to transact. Um, and how does that happen? How do we facilitate that? So um, there's another big opportunity. So I think really, um, it's, 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 it's really um, shown us the the amount the endless possibilities mm-hmm. and 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 I mean it's interesting to see that fintechs are now getting the the recognition and getting the the funding that they need um, to make it all happen because I I mean I yeah. think there is an acknowledgement that we did step in um, and 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 help provide some of that continuity when the pandemic happened. It's it's fascinating what you say about contactless payments because I remember before the pandemic people were really nervous about these things and uh, <laughs> I remember people saying there's no way I'm going to touch my card at the point of sale I mean it's it can't be secure there's, there's just I'm just not going to do it then COVID hit now everyone does it everyone does it and everyone demands it exactly. right everyone demands it and <laughs> and the response uh, needs to be you know um, as rapid as well so so I think it, it just really um, for me the pandemic the positive that came out of it uh, was just you know technology is here uh, we need to adopt it we need to embrace it we need to partner with it um, to ensure that you know we we we're defining a new world because that's exactly what we're doing. So how do we define a new world where technology and human beings live together? Um, and 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 it's done that. It's really yeah. taken us leaps and bounds in terms of uh, starting to think about those things. Well, I think a really positive note on which to end the podcast. Uh, Fikile Sabia is Chief Information Officer at E4. Fikile, if um, anyone wants to know more about E4 and what it is you guys do, what is your website again? It's www.e4.co.za. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Tech Central today. I hope you get to take that holiday soon and all the best. (laughs) Thank you so much, uh, Duncan. Uh, It was a lovely conversation.